So you got to be persistent, have set your goals, be persistent, stay with it. It will happen. You know, the skies will open up. I think persistence and, you know, staying at it, take the risk, you know, take action, you know, and I think that's if you do those things, you know, you'd be talking differently five years down the road. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. I interview the top commercial real estate investors and industry experts so you can learn from their experiences. So if you're an investor, a high W-2 earner or real estate or tech sales professional that wants to invest in real estate without having to manage properties or leave your day job, then this podcast is for you. Or if you're already investing in real estate, but you're doing it part-time and you want to become a full-time multifamily or full-time commercial real estate investor, this podcast is for you too. You're going to learn a ton. You will learn from real-life multifamily investors and other professionals in the industry. They're going to share their blueprints for success. And I'm super excited that you're here. So I hope you enjoy the show. All right. Hello, hello. My name is Abel Pacheco. I'm your host for the Five Talents Podcast. We talk about commercial real estate, multifamily syndication, you know, positive mindsets. And you know me, we talk about all kinds of subjects that relate to our financial freedom and financial independence. And we're just, we're super excited today, very humbled to have an amazing, amazing guest, David Lagarde. David, thank you very much for joining, man. How's it going? Hey, Al. Thank you for having me in the show. Yeah. It's glad to be here today. I'm super excited that you're here, man. I know, like, you know, me and David were talking about a little bit earlier on the show, just, you know, the pre-conversation. And he goes, well, I haven't gotten out there and done a lot of podcasts and I haven't done that. And I said, dude, you're totally okay, David, because you have just an amazing story where a lot of people need to learn from you. So we're just going to stay in David's sweet spot, which is multifamily commercial properties and how to acquire them, how to get them. And you're going to do amazing. So I'm, just, I'm super excited, brother. Thank you very much again. Well, thank hum- you. Humbled. Well, for those that don't know David, let me give you a little bit about his background and why you want to get a pen and a piece of paper to take some notes, you know, there's because there's going to be a lot of nuggets that I'm sure he's going to talk about. So David is the owner operator of class B and C apartments in Texas and some of the neighboring states. And he really started, you know, like I did with single family homes and he bought duplexes back in 2001. And after 10 years, he realized, you know, I should probably go into apartment investing or, you know, really commercial multifamily properties. And since 2011, here's where we're very different. David was able to purchase and acquire 4,000 doors without syndication. <laughs> so I'm eager to learn exactly how you did it, how you do it. And then now I know you're recently starting to syndicate with partners. So, you know, uber excited for you. The world is going to be, you know, really open up to you and to whatever you want to do. And thank you very much for joining the show. So David, why don't we start, you know, with just... Tell us what you're doing today, and then I'll, I'm going to ask you about your background and how you got there. But so but you can elaborate a little bit. What in the world? You bought 4,000 doors without syndication. How'd you do that? Bunch of JV, JV partners. What, what, what in the world is going on? Tell me something's here. A lot of it is, I mean, sounds like a lot, and it is, but majority of it was 1031 exchanges, owner financing, creative financing there, pre-financing, and buying in a portfolio. Man. So, you know, if you buy a couple of portfolios, 
you get there with, you know, three or four scoops. Yeah. Through creative financing. I love it. Owner financing, which you're trying to acquire own control is probably a good word. You control the building, you control the asset without having to put a lot of your own money into the deals. Correct? Right. Right. You still need some money, but you don't have to have all of the money to, to get these deals done. Yes. All right. So that is amazing. And, you know, roughly speaking, do you have any idea of like your portfolio size? Is it like 50 million, 100 million? Is it more generalities? Is A little bit over 300 million now. So it's a big portfolio. So anybody listening, like we're not talking about an owner finance on a $100,000 property. We're talking about huge portfolios which is a testament to, you know, to everything that he's done and, and learned. So now that we know who you are, and what you've done, let me go back to like, how did you start investing in real estate in the first place? So you did single family, like one at a time, 10 at a time, 20 at a time. Tell us about your, your background, your story, man. I'd love to okay, hear. So I went to college, graduated from college. And just like everybody else back in 97, 98, 99, everybody was investing in the stock market. So I tried my luck there. I had a little money saved up mm. uh, from my summer jobs. Mm-hmm. And I put all that money in the stock market, right? And then I believe 2001, you know, there was that dot-com bubble. Mm-hmm. I think I had 10 grand in the market. That's all I was playing with. And I think I lost everything. I think <laughs> I, I was able, it went down to 1700. I sold everything yeah. and was able to save $1,700. Oh, but anyway, as I was, you know, when that happened, I started, you know, looking, what else could I be doing? Stock market was definitely not my cup of tea. I cannot stand the ups and downs of the market. So I liquidated everything and started trying to come up with what else I could be investing in. At the time, I was working as a, an accountant at one of the banks locally. And, and so I ran into multifamily by, by accident, actually. I was looking for a place to, to live in. Mm-hmm. And I ran into a broker and it was like, well, you know, if I were you, I would not buy a house to live in. What I would do is I'll buy a fourplex and live in one unit, rent mm-hmm. the other three. And, you know, I just studying about, you know, buying single family. Those, back in the day, I don't know if you remember, Apple, there was a guy named Carlton Sheets out of Chicago. I do. I do. So it would come up. There was those information that come up in the, you know, when I, night, lost yeah, yeah. So when I lost that money investing in stock, that little money I had, I would uh-huh. wake up in the middle of the night and I would just turn on TV and cartoon sheet would come on. Like, buy money, buy properties, no money down, right? Yes. So I was like, yeah, I can do this, right? You know? So I started, read that, look for properties everywhere to do no money down. I didn't buy a single one, no money down. <laughs> but it yeah. got me started, got my feet wet. I started reading more about it. Yeah. And I was looking for that fourplex. And, and sure enough, my first acquisition was not a single family home that I lived in. It was a fourplex that I moved in and bought that, moved into one unit using an FHA loan. Mm-hmm. Stayed in it for, you know, 12 months, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. moved out of it and then bought a second one and, and you know, start house hacking. That's what mm-hmm. they call it nowadays. I didn't know that yeah. was in the It has a name. It has a term. Go Google yeah, it if so you I haven't heard of it. Hacking. But before, there was no house hacking. Yeah. It was just like, oh, let me yeah. try this thing out. He did good. Try this out. So that's what I did. I house hacked, you know, the first couple of deals. And, you know, but while I did studying Carlton Sheets and Robert Allen and all about the people back then, I uh, ran into 1031 Exchange, you know, find out of 1031 Exchange, you can, you know, 
but sell one property, you know, buy two and don't have to pay taxes, you know. So that's what I did at the beginning as well. So I would, you know, start buying houses, would sell them after a year. How many 1031s have you done? Man, I've done a lot. I don't know. I lost count. Probably. Like, like 10, 20, uh, 30? Uh, I'll say between 10 and 20 because now as you get into bigger properties, yeah, then, you know, you do so many. That's awesome. Well, there's way more. Let me just go piece by piece and kind of summarize this for a few listeners. So for those listening, if you're a passive investor, I'm going to call out a couple of things. If you're an active investor, I'm going to call out a couple more, right? So based on, you know, what we've already heard, we know David has one, you lost in the stock market and thank God you did, you know, in my opinion, because that is what catapulted him to the next spot. But you know what? Even in the loss, like you took action and you did it, and you may have you know skinned your knees a little bit and lost that eighty three hundred or eighty seven hundred bucks, right? You did it, but I think it's that same action that most people miss. Like some people would have said, "Hey, I, I tried investing a long time ago and I lost eight grand," and then they would have never invested again. Which is what I think you need to just have that mindset of like, and keep taking action. And he followed some advice from an expert. So he, he had the counting, you know, kind of mindset. So you had some, you know, financial savvy to you. But the broker is like, hey, why don't you try doing this? And you took the advice, took action, made it happen. Most people will see those infomercials. We still see them now. Now they're on Facebook. Now they're on social. And some guys, you know, ranting and we, we all call them a guru. Oh, that guru doesn't know anything. Well, I agree. There's a bunch of, you know, there are some people that probably don't know how to do it and they're just coaching a class. But at the same time, there are some people that are selling really good education because they've done it and you can buy their packages for a couple of grand and apply them. That's what, you know, David, if I heard that right, you bought those courses, you learned, you educated yourself and you're like, I didn't buy any houses with no money down but you acquired $300 million worth of, right. worth of real estate over a course of uh, and what's, time. Yeah, and what's funny about it is, though, is my first property I bought, you know, back in the day, there was no Facebook, right? So it was the newspaper. So I would buy the Dallas Morning News, the Fort Worth Star Telegram, and I would get the real estate, I would throw everything out, keep the real estate section. There's a real estate right? section. Okay. I'll call the brokers that are listing properties there looking for that fourplex, and that's how I got my first fourplex was, from a, a newspaper ad. You circle old school, right? Circle yeah, and then I call and all, I call of them all of them. met me there and, you know, I never negotiated, didn't do all that stuff. I was like, I want to buy this property yep. closer to work or, you know, closer to, uh, at least in the route of my, on my way to work, bought one that way. That's awesome. So that was what I was looking for. <laughs> yeah. And you had a day job. You had a W-2. How many years did you continue working while you were acquiring properties? So I did it while I was working. So I would buy. So my goal, I set goals and I said, okay, 2001, my goal was to buy three properties. And I did that. So I bought a fourplex and maybe townhome and a single family home. That was my, you know, first year acquisition. So, and then the second year I would up it up and say, I'll do six properties and most, you know, most duplexes and fourplexes, smaller properties. Mm-hmm. And so that's how I did. Uh, I did it is just setting goals and, and coming up with, you know, what am I going to achieve this year? And that's what I went after. Sometimes I fall short. Sometimes I, over, you know, I overachieved. That's awesome. Yeah. Over and over again. And this is a hard one too, because for me, what I hear over and over and over again is like, how did you do that? And how did you, you know, buy so many properties? How did you invest? And, 
you know, a lot, a lot of times it's, it's coming down to setting your goals and writing it down and focusing right. it, you know, over and over again. Right. And people kind of diminish the fact that you have to set some goals right. and, and you got to yeah, go drive. I, I think the moment I stopped, I, I had a small notebook that I'll write goals and what has helped me quite a bit. I still have that notebook today and I have goals that I set back in 99, 2000, what I wrote down exactly what my goals were going to look like, what my, my investment you know, portfolio is going to look like in 10 years, mm -hmm. you know, so 2001, what's going to look like. So I still have that notebook and I go back and look at it. Was it pretty damn close? <laughs> yeah, way over because my goals back then was like, you know, I want to own 10 houses in 10 years, you know, have them free and clear and whatever like that. But, you know, I went way over those 10 houses. You crushed it. You crushed and so it. So my goal was just buy one house a year, actually two houses a year, mm -hmm. go to 20 in 10 years pay their, you know, sell half of them off, pay the other half off. Now you have 10 ounces free and clear. That was basically the nutshell of my, you know, goal back when I started, you know, not knowing a lot, which was just good. I was like, this is what I'm... <laughs> oh, man, that's awesome. Alongside working. So my plan wasn't to quit, you know, working my corporate job. It was just I was going to do this, and it was kind of a retirement plan is how I started. I was thinking about, okay, how am I going to... One of the things that are going to happen with my job, right, I'm going to either quit get fired, get laid off. Those three things are going to happen. Quit, so get fired, prepare. or get laid off. One of those get is going to happen. Get laid off or you get tired of, you know, just the old corporate life and mm -hmm. you quit. So so I knew one of those things was going to happen at some point. So I just, that was my game plan. I love it, man. That's That's amazing. And you've had a ton of success. For you personally, you know, your kind of mindset here. Uh, well, let me frame it some. You're an amazing operator, investor, you know, that's probably in the very small one or 2% of investors that can go acquire that many and own and operate that much, you know, for yourself, right? When did you go from like an accountant, I, I bought in a few duplexes and, you know, to that switch, the mindset of like, man, I have a big portfolio and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm in a different category because at some point you went from like a regular guy to like a super, supercharged, you know, multifamily investor, man. You know, when was that? And, and how did you kind of think so about that today? Was just, the goal was when my mind changed is when I started meeting wholesalers, right? And I was still working. I think it started like around 2006, five years into okay. buying, you know, one or two houses. And then I met like wholesalers. Like, have you heard of home investors? So I have. I have. So what happened is, you know, they would, uh, so I met a couple of them locally here. Okay. And I've never, I never marketed for houses myself. I would buy it from all, all my properties. I bought it Brokers. from the wholesalers. I met sorry, one. sorry. Yeah. For those that are listening to the wholesalers are the guys that send direct mailers, direct marketing. They generate leads from direct to seller. And then David was talking to them. They would do all the marketing and find good deals. And then David will actually talk with the wholesalers. Sorry. Yeah, they interrupt. So Go ahead. Yeah, so I met one couple and that's all they did, husband and wife, you know, so I still have my full-time job. All they did was, you know, market and they'll get so many, maybe four or five houses a month. Mm -hmm. And so they will send me the list and it's like, David, which one do you want to buy? So good thing I liked it. It was kind of, you know, I pick, I want to buy these two. Yeah. And, you know, they might market up five, 10,000, some of them 15,000. As long sure. as the numbers did work for me, I bought them because yeah. I didn't, I, you know, I didn't have the time to look for them. I didn't have to market, you know, I was one, one month show. I didn't have time to you know, market, talk to sellers and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. So they did all that, all the legwork and I was just fun. Assignment fee was worth it for me. So I was yep. just matter of picking and choosing. And then the wholesalers kept increasing. Now home investors had so many. 
So after doing it for five years, all I needed to do is find money right now that I have yeah. to so properties. I had to find funding. And now, you know, that's when I started creating relationships with the local banks. And then once I found a local bank that, you know, liked the way I was doing things, like my portfolio, then I started buying four properties a month, single family homes. Yeah. So once yeah. I got with that, it just started getting bigger and bigger. And then I went to a bank and I think I got a million dollar line of credit. When I did that, that's everything changed because now <laughs> it's from 10 houses, yeah. 40 houses, 50 houses, you know. And then after that, you know, it kept go- going bigger and bigger. And now you wanted to get that economies of scale. And that's when I switched from single family homes to multifamily. Yeah. What year was that switch? 2011. I started multifamily back in 2006, but never could get comfortable to take the plunge. Yeah. I, you know, but 2010, you know, I bought a lot of single family homes, but 2011 is when I finally bought my first multifamily. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Congratulations. And so it was in that scale that it was a kind of a mental switch to, as it sounds like four properties, five properties, 10 properties, a yes. million dollar line of credit. And you're like, yeah. okay, things are. Yeah. Things are it was like, you know, you have four closings and, you know, get, you know, and you're only going to buy four or five houses. So for those four houses, I might have four closings because they're from different all sellers and sometimes different yeah. sellers. So you're going to have four different loans and all that stuff. So it got to a point where by there's got to be a simpler way of doing this and yeah. a way to, you know, kind of make it a lot easier than I was doing it. Yeah. And so you would take as many properties as possible and do like a commercial-ish loan and yeah, do so 1031. Finally, actually, and- that kind of changed things when I was doing one at a time. And okay. then finally, I was able to do, you know, buy, get that line of credit and I'm able to buy four or five ha- properties. And then yeah. you know, eventually when I went to commercial, yeah, you know, I took collateral on some of the single family homes that I had free and clear. Yep. And I was able to leverage those to get down payment to buy the, the multifamily. All right. All right. Yeah. So the equities, you know, the renters are in it or all the properties yes. are equity is rising. Yes. Your debt is is dropping. There's the equity. You're taking that and that's your collateral. Have equity in however many properties. And right. that's what you're kind of leveraging for the future. And then how did the 1031s play in? What were those 10, 20, 1031s that you were talking about? So a lot of them are the duplexes. So I would sell us one single family homes. And remember, I would buy four, yeah. four houses. So in one month, I would buy four. So I might have sold one house. And these houses are like around 100, 100 grand range, yeah. right? Back then, mm-hmm. 2003. So I would sell one house and maybe make a profit of 40 grand. Mm-hmm. So that would be 10,000 down for so many houses. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's how I would do 1031 exchange. So I'll sell property, keep the money at the 1031 exchange company, have wholesalers bring me three or four deals, yep. get the, my banker to finance them, and I'll put the down payment from the sale. Yep. And, uh, and then from there, what I learned from single family homes, really, I transferred that to multifamily. And even on a finance, a lot of people was like, I have never seen somebody... Uh, on a financing a $6 million deal. Yeah. Or uh, I think I financed one time a $25 million apartment complex on a yes. finance. Somebody yes. was like, I've never seen that happen, but you know, if you're in the game long enough and ask the right questions, it will happen. Yeah, I love it. So for those that don't know that 1031, I, I think I forgot to explain that, is if you're a passive or active investor, if you take your, your profit from your deal, there's a gain. That's the portion you can get taxed on. 
So they, the, the government takes your original cost basis. I bought it at a hundred. David's saying there was a, you know, it was worth 140 K or whatever. If he would have sold it at 40, 140, 40 would he, he, is what he would have been taxed on as the capital gains, sometimes even harder because it, it gets pushed into like ordinary income. So if you switch that profit and take it out and then put it into the future asset, 1031 it, you don't have to pay the capital gains and you can just kind of keep steamrolling your profit without having to pay those taxes and you get into a bigger and bigger project and then you know all of a sudden steamroll into multifamily apartment complexes. And then I really like the the way you said it is people hadn't seen anyone do this before. Well, the people you were talking to anyway. Yeah, the people I was talking to, I'm sure somebody's done it. They've just, done it. Just the yeah. people you were talking to because it, the norm is like, you know, you need cash. Well, you leveraged, if I could say this also, you leveraged a lot of information, a lot of negotiation, a lot of creativity, creative financing from some of those things you learned and then had applied. And now you're just like, well, why wouldn't I do it on a $6 million deal? Owners in a situation, they have $2 million equity and here I'm going to take over the payments and Here's how I'm going to help you get out of your situation and help them, right? I mean, they were only able to do it because it's a win-win, you know, I created a win-win situation, right? Where it was a win for me in the sense that I didn't have to go through the banking and for them, they got rid of whatever their problem was. So I came yeah. in as kind of, you know, problem solver. I love it. Took away the problems. That's awesome. I'm going to back up one second because you did say something that I need to drill down further. You said... While the people you were talking to, they had never seen that. And you said, well, for somebody who knows how to ask the right questions or the right questions to ask, you can find these deals. So, man, tell, give us your nuggets here. What are the right questions to ask? How do I approach this? <laughs> hello, hello. This is Abel Pacheco, your host for the Five Talents Podcast. After listening to a few episodes, deep down, do you know that multifamily and commercial real estate investing is one of the best ways to create financial freedom? If you said yes to that question and you are where I was a few years ago, then I'd absolutely love to connect with you. A few years ago, I started personally consuming a ton of real estate education. I traveled all over the country as many real estate conferences and seminars that I could go to. I took 200 plus hours of real estate education. I spent thousands of dollars along the way. And I did this because I knew the path to financial freedom for me and my family was through commercial real estate and syndication. So if you've made a similar decision, I'd love to connect with you. And potentially in the future, I'd love to partner with you as well. Take a moment, go to 5tcre.com forward slash invest and I'd love to set up a time to talk. Well, I, I think that to me, it's like you got to know what the seller wants, right? And what is their situation and, and see, to me, I start there. I start to, what is their situation? What are they, it's not only about the property sometimes, right? There's a reason why they're selling it. That's the first right question. Why are they selling it? And especially if you're talking directly to the seller, why are they, sell, why are they selling it? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And once you know what that is, then you can frame all your questions based on that and, you know, make it about them. And hopefully with that, you create a win for you as well. Yeah. That's where I would start. Yeah. The think win-win is, is, a, is a great mindset. You know, you, yeah. your situation, I need to help you, but I'm trying to win also. So here's, here, yeah. here's how we can help each other. 
Yeah, and some of them have actually discounted it just because they get, you know, they might have 10 things that they have to have and they might get nine out of the 10 and maybe the other two are the very important things for you mm-hmm. that, you know, you don't care about giving up the other eight. Yeah. So yeah. And that's the way I look at it. You know, sometimes we have different needs and, you know, for them, it might be a tax situation. It might be, you know, problem property, long distance property that they don't have time for, you know. So understanding the seller's needs will help you frame your questions properly. Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. And I'd say, uh, you know, sometimes people don't realize this, but they're like, why would this person discount, you know, this property drastically? Or why would they let David do an owner finance, carry all the note and not pay anything down? Well, you know, let's just say this one. If, If David over, why would David overpay? There's another yeah. one. You know, why would David pay an extra million dollars or whatever the numbers are? Well, you know, sometimes the owner is like, I'm trying to avoid taxes and I'm right. glad to, exactly. I'm glad to give you the property and right. you pay me over the next 20 years and just pay me yeah. a little bit every month. And now I don't have to worry about it. Yeah. So you have all kinds of scenarios. In this yeah. Area. And you know what? The biggest pushback that I got was from family. You know, they're like, why would that guy send <laughs> you that house? You know, at a discount, when they just put it on the market and sell it, I was like, "This a lot more than just put it on the market and sell it, right?" Well, how would they sell it to you for that? Why wouldn't they just go out there on the market and sell it? Why wouldn't they do exactly what you're trying to do? Yeah. And I was like, "I'm sure they have tried, and you know, this is their best solution or the best, you know, mm-hmm. this is what they've come up with." Yeah, yeah, that's so awesome. It's kind of sometimes it's uh, you got to do it for the other people to see it. Otherwise, it, I could not explain it to my parents. <laughs> because they would uh, never they would never believe it until I, I got it done right yeah yeah you know i haven't I haven't done it at your level by any means but just you know on the single family side over the 10 years i you know i was like wow i got, I got a pretty good penny for that single family property and creative financing and you know i said yes to a lot of deals you know at, at some crazy prices because they just stretched out the timeline or lowered the payment or did any number of things yeah. that you're a lot of people about. say uh, multifamily is a lot different from single family. Mm-hmm. A lot of time that's true, but a lot of time it's not because to me, the same concepts in single family homes, 1031 exchange, owner financing, you know, all those concepts, mm-hmm. they work the same. It's just you're adding zeros to, you're yeah. adding more zeros, right? Yeah. You know, otherwise it's the exact same thing. You yeah. know, if you, if you want to know the truth, I've, done, I've been on both sides and I'm still on both sides. Yeah. It's just a matter of, I mean, there's a lot of things that I like, still like about single-family homes. Yeah. And I like, there's a lot of things I like about multifamily because a lot of the, you know, concepts intertwine. I love it. You're, you're 100% right. And you're encouraging me to go like back to off-market multifamily properties. What I, I usually preach all the time. You need to talk to brokers. All the big deals get traded on to brokers. So how did you find all these properties? Like, you know, walk us through. So what, your, the so, so what happens is, I'll tell you one. I'll tell you what. You do the first deal. I think the first deal determines your next deal and your next deal and your next deal. Mm-hmm. So I was very successful in my first deal, which led to my second deal, which led to a third deal, which led to private equity or home family office, which actually exploded everything, right? Because yeah. your first deal, the bank actually, when I went and talked to them on my first deal, they were like, we're going to try you on this first deal, right? Mm-hmm. And they're not going to do anything with you for six months. They want to see how you do it. Yeah. And I did my first deal, came out, did so well with it. 
the floodgates open. Now you get brokers calling you, you get people calling you, he bought that deal, who bought that deal? Yeah. You know, your name gets out there. Now it's like, you know, brokers are calling you. They know you can perform, right? You closed on a deal, you closed on two, you closed on three. And then after that, it's off to the races, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? Now you get to start because the first deal is usually the hardest. And it was hard even for me to fathom, you know, doing that first apartment. I was like, you know what? I'm comfortable in single family homes. You know, I've done this. I don't need, you know, I don't need to have a thousand units. I don't need to have, you know, a couple hundred units. I just, you know, I'm okay with my 50 single family homes or 60 single family homes, however many I had at the time. But just getting that one, and that's what took me from, I started studying about single family homes back in 2006. David Lindahl was like teaching up here in Dallas. Yeah. So I went to his classes and all that, but I was like, ah, you know, uh, you know, I studied it, but I would buy the course and I would just put it in my shelf. Mm-hmm. Didn't do much with it. And then kept taking action with my single family homes. So, right. So it's that comfort. I got comfortable doing what I know, which mm-hmm. was single family homes. It yeah. was just taking that big step of finding that first apartment complex yeah. and having a loan. I never would think I wasn't comfortable getting a loan from a bank for a million dollars. I thought that was crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Going to bank a million dollars right now. You could owe fifty, sixty, hundred million. You just live like a bit because I had somebody ask me the other day, yeah. "Hey, David, how do you feel owing a bank a hundred million dollars?" I was like, "That's their problem. <laughs> I'm going to sleep." <laughs> right? I, like, <laughs> oh, I love you. You're the one who lends to me. That's your thing, <laughs> right? I was like, "Hey, that's oh, their problem." You know, I love it. You know, I I like, it. hey, I go to sleep just like a baby. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. I'm not in at your level, but I do the same, man. As soon as I hit my pillow, like I, I go to sleep hard and I feel good about a lot of the decisions we're making on the investing side. Like I go to sleep immediately, like five yeah. minutes into it. And the good thing about multifamily though, that I didn't see in single yeah. families, like you're getting now, now Rico's home. You know, once I got it, that I was like, wow, I didn't your even know o- about this. Yeah. The world opened up. When was that? When was your first non-recourse deal? I think I did one, I did uh, the first couple of multifamily, they were deep value added. Yeah. So a lot of them I did. You need a recourse. bridge loan or something? Yeah. No, I did recourse. Oh, reco- uh, full recourse bank. bank loan. Sorry. Bank yeah. loan. Go ahead. I think about 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. I did my first FNMA. Okay. Gotcha. And that, so that point it, I tested, you know, how it, you know, I don't know. I intended to pay it back, but there's that feel of, I don't know. It just, you don't feel like it feels so good to know that if something were to happen on this, not that you, I was going to turn it back. But uh, once I got that, I was like, oh, it's not Rico's. And then when you do your, what do you call it? You know, when you're doing the loans, a lot of my local banks didn't count in it, not Rico's loans as they it didn't count against you. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's only Rico's loans is what they look at and, and try to try to access your ability to pay back. You know, I didn't even think about that because uh, all the multifamily deals that we've done so far have been non-recourse. But there's there's like that chicken and egg like you're almost talking about is somebody's trying to get in on agency debt, Fannie, Freddie. You're trying to get this like fixed rate, low interest, non-recourse right. loan, which is, you know, everyone likes that. But how do you get in there if you haven't had that experience? The agency is like, nah, you need to have experience. So you either have to partner with somebody on your team. Or you can go to the bank and kind of do your first deal and get your experience there. So you had plenty of experience with the local banks. They love you. They lent to you. They do it over and over and over again. It's full recourse, but right. you were crushing it anyway. So it's like, what's the difference? 
Yeah, and, I mean, uh, at that point, the whole period wasn't too long, so it didn't really make sense. Looking back, it didn't make sense for me to get a penny, penny yeah. loan because my whole period was no more than three, three and a half years. Really. Yeah. If you're listening to a passive investor or a new, new general partner, when you go recourse agency, usually there's a hold period that they make you stay in and you have some kind of yield maintenance with heavy right. prepayment penalties. So if you yeah. sell in two or three or four years, like you're, you get tagged, you pay the penalty. <laughs> but so, anyways. Yeah. So to get my first penny deal, I think there are three or four things they asked me. I had to have the liquidity, mm-hmm. the experience. Mm-hmm. And the network. Net worth. Mm-hmm. So I think those were the three things. So when I went for the first one, they didn't care that I didn't have penny made deal. The first one, they just mm-hmm. they looked at the liquidity, the net worth, and all that stuff and to get experience. me. My... You're, you're ready to roll. Yeah, so you had all the plenty of experience. Did, yeah, once I did that, they just uh, I did the first penny made, then all the rest opened up. So boom, 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 boom. After that, right on. So okay, so let's talk about that 2014 to 2015. High level, how many deals did you buy and at what, what pace? You know, was it five a year? Was it? So I, I just go by door. So like 20, okay, yeah. so like 2014, maybe I bought three apartment complexes, okay. you know, about two, 300 units, you know, an average of 150 units, 450. But then around 2016, you know, I got a portfolio of 1,500 units. 1500 unit portfolio. Wow. So from that standpoint, you know, once I took that down, <laughs> I felt like I was untied but I could take down anything. Right? I mean, hey, Superman, like, you're like, yeah, from that, uh, that standpoint, yeah, I, I was like, you know, if I can do this, you know, it was a lot of creativity going on there. Was, you know, it involved a lot of people mm-hmm. you know, for mm-hmm. me to take that down, you know. So yeah. once I was able to do that, and then I did, you know, once I went from doing those three, it's just like the single farms. I went from doing one or two or three a year to doing, you know, four a month or whatever it is. So yeah. when I, I went from buying one apartment complex or two apartment complex to buying portfolios, yeah. 500 units, maybe comprised of three apartment complexes from the same owner and, and whatnot. Yeah. That's really what, you know, got that number so high so fast, 1,500, 900 units, you know, 600 units, you know, that's how I, I got up there so fast. Yeah, that's awesome. So talk about that. What were the difficulties from buying one apartment complex to your first portfolio? You said the 1500 unit was a beast. So there's all kinds of moving parts, all kinds of team members, all kinds of experts helping you and assisting you, even though you're the lead, you know, guy that people, I think sometimes people don't realize there's a large team all helping you, all your partners. Tell us about that process. What went into think, buying that? I think, yeah, I think the biggest thing is getting the seller to believe that you are it. You're the guy that will take this down. I think yeah. once you get that, you know, the seller to be patient because it took about six months to close on everything. Got it. You know, so it did not. From start like yeah, negotiation I I, or yeah. like under contract and then six months to close? I think I took... It started in July. I didn't close on the last patch because I ended up having like close them in patches, right? They were like about eight apartment complexes. Okay, okay. So they would, you know, you close on two and then the next month you close on two, just that <laughs> way until yeah. the last, I think the last patch I closed in January. So that's about wow six months. Okay. And where did you find that deal? Did somebody bring it to you? Did you, how does so that actually, happen? Actually, it was a seller that I had bought property share 
property and then i did so well with them on the first deal on the second deal and then finally they were like hey we've got situation an estate tax situation and we need to liquidate some properties oh i don't know what the situation was but it seemed like that was my guess and i'm just guessing given the the little information that i got i don't know what the situation was but from that standpoint when they see how i performed on the other couple properties they felt comfortable to know that I was able to take down these other properties. And also your bankers will vouch for you like a lot, right? Here's your, so here's your give, letter of recommendation. Yeah, give give your recommendation and say, Hey, I know David, I've done deals with them and you know, like that. And then, you know, the fact that I did they, you know, they tried with a couple of deals, you know, they were able to be comfortable enough to keep sending me deals. I love it. I love it. So you had already bought deals from them. You performed. You did. I feel what's exactly so funny what is I kept avoiding for them for the longest time. I had bought a deal that was, they had another deal that was selling close to mine. So this guy kept reaching out. It's not the seller direct, but somebody that represented the seller. Mm-hmm. It's like, hey, you just, you know, you bought a property, such and such a street. We have another one here. Would you be interested in buying for a long time? You know, you get these people. I'm like, you know, you get to that point where brokers start calling you and thinking, it's just another broker. So I sent you an email. I don't know how I got my email. Send me and say, hey, I'm just reaching out to owners of the properties that surround ours. If you'd be interested in this deal. Well, mm-hmm. a while that deal went away. You know, I was like, you know, I don't know this guy. But one day I decided to meet the guy for coffee. You know, let's just have coffee and let's talk. Yeah. And, you know, after that, we hit it off. And, you know, uh, like they say, the rest is history. You know, it was able to flood, get open. I did a couple of deals with them and, you know, it just walked out. Yeah, that's amazing. So congratulations on, you know, all of your success, David. It was a, amazing just hearing a little bit more about your journey, man. And, and I thank you very much, you know, for sharing the time. So before we go, I have a couple more questions before we wrap up. Before we go, if anybody's trying to get into your world, either, you know, invest with you, partner with you, they've got a deal that they want you to help (laughs) close with, whatever the situation is, just get a little bit, you know, closer to your world. What's the best place for somebody to reach out to you? Where can we go? I think the best way to reach out to me is uh, on my email, david at bellasrealtygroup.com. And I'll spell that out. Uh, David at Bella. B-E-L-L-A-S, realtygroup.com. Best All right. What would you want somebody to reach out to you for? What are you kind of looking for, you know, in the future? Well, I think, you know, if you have a deal, you want to get to the finish line, you need the gap funding to close a deal. We also have, I think one thing that I mentioned is we are vertically integrated. So we have our property management, a construction company in the house. Nice. So if you have a property in DFW and trying to get into the DFW market and you want to partner with, you know, somebody that will do construction and do the property management, you know, you can reach out to us for that. And sometimes reach out just to chat about real estate. I love talking real estate. So somebody just wants to chat about it and I'm all for it. All right. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So vertically integrated construction management, property management. That sounds great. What years did you start those? So, I mean, kind of we've been doing it all along with the single-family homes. Once I left the bank and started doing single-family homes, I started building relationships, you know, kind of. This was done just for our own portfolio. It was done for you. Yeah, Yeah. for for your properties. And so we're the biggest consumers of all this. But then, you know, over time, we're just expanding and it's just, you know, taking life of its own. So, yeah. And now you're offering, you kind of, after feeding your own 
you know, internal portfolio right, family. Right, now right, you're right, like, right, oh, I'm offering right, services. Right. I mean, yeah. I mean, it doesn't fit all the time, but if it if it's going to work, then yeah, yeah. definitely. Oh, that's great. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, congratulations on that. And the, a couple more questions uh, for you before we go. So what piece of advice, tactical or mindset, whatever, whatever you want to give, what would you tell somebody that's, you know, tr- just trying to trying to break into the world, a little scared, a little worried, what, you know, maybe talk to yourself when you were getting started. What advice would you give uh, somebody new? I think one or two things. One thing that I, I look back is I, I read a lot. I've read a lot about real estate. I mean, you educate yourself. I mean, I read, I mean, I read all the books that you can name on real estate. I mean, you go to my library, it's like tons of real estate books. I mean, I read, you know, gotten the courses, you know, that I could get. So I educated myself a lot. And then number two, persistence, right? You know, it's not going to work the first time, like, you know, the first month you get into it, you're not going to buy 3,000 units or 100 units or 20 units, right? So you got to be persistent, have set your goals, be persistent, stay with it. It will happen. You know, the skies will open up. I think persistence and, you know, staying at it, take the risk, you know, take action, you know, and I think that's if you do those things, you know, you'd be talking differently five years down the road. I told myself, right? I mean, I think what's his name? The guy out of Tennessee that talks about, you know, live like no one else for five years so that you live the rest of yourself like nobody else. I don't uh, know. Dave, uh, Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey. Dave Ramsey, yeah, yeah. right? So I yeah. told myself that. I was like, you know what? I'm going to, you know, work hard, stay up late for five years and let me see what happens. Yeah. Five years, I'm going to, you know, scrunch, you know, you know, you know, drive an old car for a while. For five years, I'm not going to buy a new car. I'm going to do this. I'm, you know, I'm going to invest. I'm going to, you know, go in there and the drains for five years. If you do that five years, it's going to change your life. Man, I am so inspired, David. I want to run right. through a brick wall right now. Bro. Yeah, five <laughs> years, just five years of your life will change everything. I am, right. Yes. You know, go for it. I am so inspired, man. Education. I heard him say education, persistence, right. take the risk, take the action. Yes. And have those, those yeah. As a guiding post. As your guidepost. I love it, man. And, and, you know, really, you know, I hear so many people, we've done 70 something shows, you know, where I've recorded and everyone says, you know, a lot of these same things, but it's so hard for somebody like outside, you know, looking in to say, ah, I just can't be that easy. And I'm like, yeah, it's just like you go, this, you're spending some time educating yourself and now you got to take action. Yes, it's a risk. Let's keep going. Yeah. It'll change your I life think, in five years. Look at the big picture and then see what you can do this year. If you if you notice, I look back when I go back to 2001, my goal was only to buy three houses. Right? <laughs> yeah, if, you look at it, if I looked at it, I'm going to buy 4,000 units, I probably would have been overwhelmed and not get started. So what yeah. I say, what can I do today with the resources that I have in front of me to yeah. get me closer to? My goal was to have, I remember one time I sat down and my goal was, hey, I want to have a million dollars in houses, a hundred grand in the bank. That was my goal in 10 years. Hey, that was you my know? first, that was my big mark too. It was a million dollars in assets, a hundred K in the bank. Anyways, yeah, go ahead. I, uh, that was my goal. That's, I was work for this for 10 years. This is what I'm going to go. And how am I going to get there? I'm going to buy this many houses. I'm going to get it. And it's just, you know, once you get there, it's like, okay, what is the next one? What's the next yeah. step? Yeah. And then you look back and you're like, I can't believe that was, you know, you know, I was able, that was easy. Right. And then you go for an even bigger goal. And then, you know, you keep surprising yourself. 
Yeah. You know what I did not do that I love that you do is kind of you go back to your original goals. Oh, I, I kind of like, I kind of write them down, I move forward. And then we like, I'm on to the next one. I keep no record of ongoing, like what they were. I have some, but not on a consistent basis. I would encourage anybody at this have, point, whatever have, age, to do um, that. 1999. Wow. I look at it and it's in a small notebook. That's kind of something that I don't, I don't lose it. And I write it down just in a small book, just a little tiny book. I write it down. And when I do write it, go back. You know, that's really what you get excited when I look at that and look back what it is now. Yep. Like makes me want to, you know, build more of like, you know, this is I'm way past what uh, I thought I would be 20 years later. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so awesome. I have uh, can't remember which book it was, but I, I heard somebody say that about, you know, prayers and, you know, yeah. writing them down and see what gets answered. And then you're like, oh, my gosh, you kind of see it. And you're like, all of these have been answered. So that's just amazing. It's encouraging. I'm in- inspired, brother. Well, I'm glad. Is there anything else I didn't ask you about that you wanted to bring some exposure or highlight or just, you know, anything in general you were hoping I asked and I didn't get to? Well, uh, no, I think you covered pretty much everything. Just thank you for having me on and being able to share something with your audience. I hope that somebody can learn something out of us. More than a few people are going to learn from this, man. So that, I'm super pumped. There's a lot of nuggets here. My name is Abel Pacheco. I'm super happy I was able to bring you this podcast with Mr. David Lagat. I'm your host for the Five Talents podcast. Grab your pen, piece of paper, hit rewind a couple times and take some notes. You're going to get some good ones. If you heard something you appreciated today from David, reach out to him. And then also we would love a five-star rating, a review. If, if you don't think it's five-star, no big deal. Give us a rating and tell us, give us some feedback on a written review. That'd be awesome. But we appreciate you and uh, we'll hope to see you on our next show. David, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Five Talents Podcast. I'm your host, Abel Pacheco. Each week, we're going to bring you interviews from other industry experts and commercial real estate investors who followed their dreams and achieved massive success. If you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to want a copy of our Passive Investor's Guide, Tackling Commercial Real Estate the Easy Way. It's the guide we use to invest in $93 million of commercial real estate. It's a 65-page ebook. It's a great resource to learn the basic mechanics of multifamily syndications. And we're going to show you how to evaluate your next passive investment opportunity. So if you subscribe to our podcast now, leave us a review and a rating, I'm going to give you a free copy. So take a moment to do that now. We'd appreciate it. And then you can register for the book at 5tcre.com forward slash ebook, 5tcre.com forward slash ebook. Let us know and we're going to send you a copy. Thank you so much for subscribing to the Five Talents Podcast.